Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Sin and grace, law and gospel, these are words that we throw around a lot in the church. We toss them back and forth to each other, and every once in a while we lob one like a grenade out into the world and then wonder why we're not profusely thanked for doing so. But we can't really blame the world for not understanding what we mean by these words because it seems to me that a lot of the time we don't know what we mean by these words. These are foundational concepts of the Christian faith, and yet for generations, different parts of the church have twisted them in one way and hammered them into a different shape so that they would mean what we wanted them to mean, so that they would prove us right and prove those we were threatened by or frightened by wrong. And so we have used them as weapons, and yet at the same time claimed that they were instruments of peace. And so it should be no wonder to us when the world is perplexed, if not repulsed, by us and what we have to say. So what do we mean when we say sin and grace and law and gospel? Well, first we have to decide what we don't mean. Sin is not the words and thoughts and ideas and, that God has just decided to disapprove of and that we have graciously decided to disapprove of with God. And correspondingly then, the law is not just the list of disapproved thoughts and words and deeds that we have been given so that we can avoid the bad ones, because some of them do seem rather enjoyable to some people, and so it's important we know which ones not to do. That's not what sin is, and that's not what the law is but it is what we have said it is. And so when we throw those words out into the world, what they hear is that we think they've been naughty. We think they've said things and thought things and done things that they shouldn't. And that since God agrees with us, we feel empowered to impose what we think on everyone else. And grace, then, is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not just God excusing some people from the law. God letting some people off the hook for their sins. Grace, in fact, is not something that some people have and other people don't. Which means the gospel can't be just the way that the people who don't have grace come to obtain grace. That's not what grace is, and it's not what the gospel is, but it is often what we have said that it was. And so when we throw those words out into the world, what they hear is that we find ourselves favored to have something from God that they don't have. And that they could have it too, maybe, but as long as they started to think and act and speak like us. That is, after all, what we have meant so often. We have been making this error at least since St. Paul wrote his letter to the Romans. But I expect for longer than that. Because as we discovered last week, St. Paul already knows to head us off at this era, to ask us the questions ahead of time, to keep us from going down these paths. Last week he asked us, what then? Should we go on sinning that grace might increase? And then this week he asked us, what then? 
Should we go on sinning? Because we're under, law, under grace and not under law. St. Paul knows that we would really like to go on sinning. And we need to understand that differently. And so his answer to both questions is by no means. But not because if we go on sinning, which is what we do, that grace won't increase. Grace will increase. And it's not because we are still under the law and not under grace. We are definitely under grace. It's because that whole line of thinking, asking those questions, just demonstrates how badly we've got the wrong end of the stick on the issues of sin and grace and law and gospel. Sin and grace are not related to each other like the numbers in the different columns of a ledger or the weights on the opposite side of a balance. Sin and grace are related to each other like darkness and light, like death and life. Grace, in the broadest sense, is everything that is good, everything that God created you and I and everyone and all things to enjoy, from the most fleeting breath to the infinite profundity of spending eternal life in the midst of God's love. All of it is grace. All is in the end grace. And we have been built to desire only that grace, to seek only that good. The problem is we also all start off broken so that we can desire lesser goods more than the greater goods, which leads us to want to hoard good for ourselves at the expense of others. This is sin. Sin is when I stand up tall so that more of the light shines on me while not caring a bit that in doing so I cast a shadow on everyone else. Sin is not a list of specific thought, words, and deeds because no specific thought, word, or deed is intrinsically a sin, but every thought, word, and deed can be a sin. Sin is not just a list of no-nos, it's the disposition of our hearts to always seek our own advantage. It's a condition that we must suffer through because it is part of the way that God leads us eventually to grace. The law then, whether we mean as Paul does the law of Moses or the laws of the state of New York or just the laws of common decency, whatever laws we have imposed on us, the law is good insofar as it points us out of our sin and toward grace. So if I read Christ's words in the gospel today, give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, and I read it as a law, and I do it to keep the law, then no guarantees, but I might just glimpse grace in doing it. Not as a reward for keeping the law, but because by doing the action, I have taken a step closer to grace. And if I were ever to make it all the way there, ever to get all the way to grace, then I would know that I no longer needed the law to show me what to do. I would be free then, not free to keep all the water for myself, 
That's not freedom, but free to share all the water with everyone, free to share grace, which is just another way of saying free to love, which is just another way of saying free to know and experience God. The law is a signpost meant to point us toward grace, but the problem is we figured out very easily how to twist the law and turn the sign around and point it in other directions. So instead of leading us toward grace, it leads us right back in to our sin. And in fact, we're so lost and so many of the sign posts are damaged that no amount of sign following would ever lead us out into grace, ever lead us home. What we need is a guide one who will come into the mess in which we find ourselves and take us by the hand and do all that is necessary in this world and the next to lead us out of darkness and into light and out of death and into life and out of sin and into grace. That is to say, lead us deeper and deeper into the love of God. The gospel then is the good news that we have such a guide. That Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again to show us, to show all, what grace and good and what love really are. So that all of us would come in one way or another to truly desire that love as the truest and greatest grace and the highest good. And so that all of us in one way or another would be able to follow him in the path that he has opened to God. A path that no signpost, no law could have ever really shown us. The path which is the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. The path which is the reward that cannot be lost. The path which is what it means to be free from sin what it means to live under grace and not under the law, the path that is the gospel, this way of love. And if that is what we threw out into the world, I trust that we would be heard very differently. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.